Okay, we are in Sefer Hoshea, Perek Yud Gimel, Pasuk Aleph Kidaber Ephraim Reseis Nosahu Yisrael. Interestingly, Hoshea, who has been nonstop in his excoriating the tribe of Ephraim, which, as we've said, is shorthand for the ten tribes the northern kingdom that had seceded under Yeruvam ben Nevat pauses for a second, as we're going to see, and shows us historically that Ephraim wasn't always the Ephraim we associate with the Aserashvatim, and the Medrashim tell us that Yeruvam wasn't the evil incarnate individual we know throughout history. So let's just get right into it. Pasakala. Kidaber Ephraim Rosses Nosa Hubi Israel. When Ephraim would speak, when he would talk, the people of Israel would listen with awe. As Rashi says, Shekona Yeruvam and, and Yeruvam as well. And we're going to see how Yeruvam got to be Yeruvam ben Nevat. But meanwhile, Ephraim was one of the exalted Shvatim in B'nai Yisrael. When he spoke, people listened, they accepted his word, they trembled. Now, interestingly, we have a Medrash that Yeruvah ben Nevat, he too started out as a hero. You will recall in Malachim, the story is told of how Shlomo, Melech Shlomo, had like, I believe it was six entrances to the base Hamikdash that opens up to the public, that the public could traverse. And his wife closed one of them so she could appropriate the property outside for a park, for an extension of her palace, or some say even Avodah Zorah. And one person challenged Shlomo. How dare she appropriate the Beis Hamikdash for her personal uses for Avodah Zorah? And he was commended for it. And that person was Yeruvam ben Nevat. And that made him a personality and catapulted him to the kingship. When they seceded, he was the leader of the secession. So we see that it wasn't all bad. Ephraim was one of the most respected Shvatim. Yeruvam was the most respected or one of the most respected individuals who stood up to Shlomo and it was acknowledged that he was right and Shlomo was wrong. So, uh, but then they became guilty with the Baal, the Baal being again shorthand for every other Avodah Zarah. By Yamas, they died, they died spiritual death, or they were marked for death. But in the beginning, as we say, he was a very special individual, a sort of popular hero at that time for standing up to King Solomon. And Ephraim, you know, was legendary as one of the most respected Shratim in B'nai Yisrael. Now, says the Navi, Va'ata Yosifa Lechto, and now they continue to sin, Va'yasu lahem masecha mikaspam, they make these idols from silver, between the sun, they make them figures 
atzabim, idols, maseharashim kulolahem. They are the work of craftsmen. Totally the work of craftsmen, as the Radak says, it was made by a, a, an artisan. There was not one spiritual iota in those idols. They were just carved wood and carved silver and fashioned out of um, stone. Um, a very puzzling sentence. They said that those who kiss, or who slaughter rather, those who slaughter will kiss the animals, the cows. What does that mean? So we learn in Sanhedrin a very interesting medrash. One says, my zivchei odom agolim What does this sentence mean? that those who slaughter people will kiss the calves. Tony Rav Yitzchak. The stewards, as it were, of the Avodah Zorah would eye very ravenously the property of wealthy people so that they could acquire it, confiscate it, so what they would do, umarivim esaragalim, they would starve the calves that the people worshipped. There was a stable of calves that were worshipped by people. But osin zemus atzabim, and they would make images of these wealthy people. They had lit upon certain wealthy people whose estate they wanted to confiscate for their avodah zarah. They would place an image of that wealthy target, as it were, at the feeding trough of those cows, those starving cows. They would take the calves out, and the calves would right away see those wealthy people. Once they saw the calves running after the wealthy people, there was an affection that had been built into the calves, as strange as that sounds, and they would run up against them and nuzzle them. Now the stewards jumped into action. They would say to that person, Do you see? The idol desires you. You should You should become and be willing to be slaughtered for it. Mephorshim don't believe that it means, all right, now give your life for the... Yeah, but rather, now turn over your property in a show of love and reciprocal respect for the calf to Avodah Zorah. That's one interpretation. There's a far more... Um, devious one, and that is to turn over your children to the Molech. We have learned that that was the most reprehensible, abominable practice in Avodah Zarah, where supposedly people would pass their children through fire as a sign to the Molech of faith and, and um, adherence to him. And of course, the child would be burned to death. There's a difference of opinion, a big machlok, as Rambam and Ramban. 
Rambam said, no, this didn't happen. This is figurative. Yes, they would pass him through, but he was protected in the thing. He would never come close to the fire. It was a symbolic show of reverence to the Avodah Zorah. Rambam says, nonsense. They actually killed the children. So that is what it means that you, um, you slaughter the people, you will kiss the calves. By slaughtering your own children, it brings you closer to the acts of reverence to those Egle Avodah Zorah. It is such a serious thing that the, the uh, halacha tells us that if one killed all his children to the molech, sacrifice the molech, he is not punished because the act is so horrific is so beyond punishment that he does not get punished for the sin. It is just he has gone beyond the pale. So that's what, in fact, it means, that those who slaughter the people will kiss the calves. Moreover, the Gemara in Sanhedrin describes how they would use these idols. They continue, they made themselves, you know, these molten figures of silver, or in the shape of idols. So what is the meaning? It teaches you, every single one made an image of his personal deity. And what he did, so he kept it in his purse, when he remembered it, or thought of his idol, he would take it out from the bosom of his pocket, and embrace it and kiss it. That was his Avodah Zorah, and that is how seriously they, in fact, took it. Continues the Nabi, now these people will be, and we use four images of just fleeting things that are here and are gone, so will they be gone. Clouds in the morning that soon disappear. The dew that soon disappears from the grass. Kamotsi Goren, the chaff that blows away from the granary floor, the light from the skylight, the smoke rather from the skylight, it just goes through the skylight and disappears. Thus will be Ephraim. They, uh, the Malbin gives more symbolic terms for them, but basically it means their life will be so fleeting and evanescent. And now, nothing reminds them, in the name of the Kaddish Baruch I am the Lord your God. It was I who took you out of Eretz Mitzrayim, not these idols, the Lahim Zulasi Lo and there are other gods that you, need, you do not know, Moshiach ain't guilty, and they cannot save you. I am the source of your soul's savior. You cannot be saved by these idols. They're just wood made by craftsmen. They have no meaning. And continues the history lesson. I knew you in the desert. I led you through 40 years. I led you out of Mitzrayim. Be'eretz Taluvos. Taluvos is a very interesting word. That means dry, parched land. I led you through. I fed you. I took care of you. I nurtured you. 
And the more I gave you, the more material benefits, the more I satiated you with material wealth, your heart grew haughty, and so you forgot me. And by the way, that is the exact language of Indvarim. We learn that I will feed you, I will satiate you, I will make you prosper, and you will forget me. That is the human nature, or certainly of B'nai Yisrael, and that is what they have done. And I will be like a, um, a uh, lion and a, a leopard on Derech Ashur. I will sit on the path Ashur. Here does not mean Assyria. I am going to guard it. You are doomed. I will destroy you like a ravenous lion or leopard. I will be like a lion, I'm sorry, a bear who has been deprived of his wealth, of his pregnant, uh, his fetus. And they are particularly fierce. For Ekras, a garly bum, he will grab you and claw away at your heart. And he will consume you as will the lion of the field will tear you apart. Interestingly, the metaphor of a bear that has lost its young. The Mephoshim tell us that a bear's young is protected by a what you would call the covering, the amniotic sac. It is like a gel that is particularly strong and that to tear it or to open it as the bear must requires a lot of amelos work. And this amelos builds a specific and special bond between the mother bear and that wealth and the bear. It forges a relationship. So it becomes especially fierce. So it's no metaphor that the, no accident that that metaphor is used of a bear who's been deprived of his wealth. They are particularly fierce against human beings. And the Mephoshim do not lose the opportunity to show you here that you make the drosha that the Torah, if you have Amelis Torah, you forge that bond with Torah, it, it makes the exact same bond uh, as, as a mother bear. And that is what we should strive for. Shechiseich Yisrael You did this to yourself. Israel, you made your own bed, etc. And now you're not I was there to help, to guide, to lead you, but you chose your own path of destruction. Ehi Orecha. Ehi, I'm here. I'm here permanently for eternity. Malkech, your kings that you chose. Epho, where are they, the Yeshiecha who are going to save you in all your cities? Vishotech, your judges, Asher Amorta, Tanoli, Melech, Vesorim, who you said, give us a king, give us officers. Attain Lacha Melech Ba'api, I have given you those kings in my anger, for Ekach Ve'evrasi, and I will take in my fury. And here you cannot ignore this, and I think, Steve, we've discussed it, that 
was choosing a king, demanding a king from Shmuel at that time, the biggest mistake they ever made. And how do you reconcile it with the Torah saying, and the day will come when you will choose a king, make sure he is A, B, and C, he possesses those qualities. So you can argue, we're told we choose a king. Why are they getting so upset, so bent out of shape, Shmuel, when they ask him for a king? The answer could be that they weren't supposed to ask. It was the wrong time, perhaps, to ask. It was just a vua at the time. They would ask for a king. But the point is, this could have been the, the mistake that set them on the course of just total destruction. As we said, the ten shvatim downward spiral from day one, a doomed society, a doomed civilization. But more about that later. Continues. Sorrow Avon Ephraim. Ephraim is like wrapped up its Avonos, its sins. Sophono Chataso. It's hidden them. It thinks no one knows, or I don't know, says the Kaddish Baruch what it's done. It guards them. It thinks that they're, they're unsuspected. But it, they're not fooling anybody. The pangs of childbirth, meaning the death that comes in childbirth will come to it. And we have seen that Nebuah before. Who ben he's not smart. He is just doesn't realize what he is doing. Interesting metaphor. He doesn't know, uh, no, he stands or he dwells at the birth stool. The birth stool is where tragically children were born, stillborn fetus, a problem at birth. And he's standing right there. He doesn't realize he is marked for destruction. I was ready to redeem Ephraim from death, from the, 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 the um, judgment of death. I stood ready at the last minute to get him out of there. Egalim, I will take him out. But <coughs> he chose not. He will die. He will descend to the depths. I will conceal my eyes from any compassion or pity. And thus concludes the sentence for Ephraim. In Hashem, we will conclude Navi Hoshea tomorrow, 8.45 a.m. You won't want to miss it. I can